Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. It's uh, Friday, it's 11.35, and that means Tech Talk. Adam Oldfield, the uh, president and CEO of Vacuman, who sponsored this fine program, uh, is with us once again. I uh, hope you had a great week, Adam. I, I did, Bill. I mean, it's been kind of cold, right? I mean, it's been... I mean, where, where's this? April showers is moving into May. I mean, I think I see some sunshine there today, but I, I've had a pretty good week, actually, to, to be honest with you. Well, you know something? I mean, I, I didn't think either, you know, into the in first week of May that it's, you know, they have the fireplace on it every evening and, you know, the furnace is still kind of cranking out here. I think we had the air conditioning on one day. Uh, remember, we had a, a warm spot there in April, but that's been about it. Uh, which means, by the way, that, that you know, still stuff circulating in here, and, and just about everything that you 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 do here, whether it's a fireplace, whether it's uh, as you mentioned, even burning candles, uh, it, it creates soot. You can't see it; you can probably smell it. But and, and if you're smelling it, it's going into your vents, and and that can be a problem, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. This past week, uh, I've been noticing a little more and more. Some people are finding, like, you, if you light incense or, or scented candles, which are lovely things to have in your home, um, the is, exception to that is is that it looks like it smells nice. And, and again, like you commented, you can't see it, but it gets pulled into your HVAC system um, because it's circulating the air within your home, whether it's an apartment or a house or otherwise. So anything that's burning, if you have anything burning, whether it's a gas stove or, like you mentioned, fireplace, a real fireplace not an electric one obviously but if you have candles primarily is the big one and uh i've and i share that because uh, i've had phone calls where people have commented that they they see this black sootness in their vents um and they're wondering like is there a problem is there a fire did i have fire um and maybe it could be that problem but um this past week just uh, diagnosed that it was actually a candle uh candles that are lit and gets pulled in and again it's a petroleum soot uh, Bill, you know, candles are made of a wax and it's a petroleum yeah. base. And when it burns, it goes into the air. It doesn't just disappear, folks. It doesn't like, oh, look at that. It's gone. Bye. <laughs> it actually turns into a byproduct, which therefore gets pulled into your into your system. So if you're noticing there's like that little black soot around or uh, it's like it creates a static electricity around the air vents. These are usually they're called cold air returns. Those are the ones that are on the wall in the main hallway. When you walk in, if you're old, if you have an older home, they're on the floor. Uh, but if they're in a, a newer home, they're usually on the wall in the main hallway. Uh, usually there's one on the main floor upstairs. You might notice it gets a little black around there or it gets yeah. really dusty. That's because it's pulling the air in. So to keep that in mind, uh, that might be a cause of soot. It, 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 the simplest way to do this, I think you explained this to me when, when Vacuum Man first came on board with us here. Uh, when you go down to change your, your filter on your furnace, and you should be doing that on a regular basis, of course, and you look at that stuff, and you look at the stuff that's caught in there, and you figure, I'm breathing that. That's the stuff that's out yes. in the air when I go back upstairs. It, it, it kind of brings home the message that, hey, I've I got to pay attention to this. And, you know, you can't have that stuff laying around because it's it's not good for you. It's not healthy for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's one of the main reasons you do want to make sure you change your filter. And again, on that note, if you do light candles and you change your filter, you might notice a little bit of a waxy feel on the outside. Um, and that's it. That's the, the the wax coming through. Now, those are the paper filters, by the way, Bill. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk more about the electric filters in the future. But yeah. uh, just as an FYI, yes, if you do light candles, incense, um, or you have a gas stove, um, very, very, very important that you do change your filters regularly. Okay, now let's move on to some of the stuff we've got for Tech Talk today. I remember the, the debate about 5G and, you know, was Huawei going to supply it? And it? It was an ugly situation. It seemed as if Canada was one of the last ones to finally hop on board. I mean, we, we knew we were going to get it. It was just a matter of who was, who was going to be the carrier. Uh, and that's settled. But now we're on to 6G already. Uh, it didn't take them long. Uh, and it's Chinese researchers, I understand, that are at the front of this, Adam. 
Yeah, yeah. What's important about the 6G world, which is coming quickly, Bill? I mean, you know, we're still rolling out 5G and 6G is existing. It's in the market of, of coming to fruition. And the big thing about 6G and what the uh, the accomplishment, so to speak, that happened was that it can now send 100 gigabytes per second in a, in a 10 gigahertz bandwidth. Now, that's a lot of math and science. And if you're kind of like, look, I just want to send an email. Um, I thought I would just give a little bit of an idea of perspective as to how it's able to work properly. The way, the way it comes together is that this is such a milestone is that right now 5G is doing about four gigabyte, four gigabytes per uh, uh, per second. So again, it, it, it's, it's fluctuating. It's not consistently always that fast. So something to factor in is that it, it, when we get into the 6G network, it does help with speed uh, ability, but it's gotta be at a maximum. And what the Chinese have been able to develop is a low frequency allowing for faster speeds which, why that's important, is that we may be able to use the old equipment, the existing 5G hardware, to be able to utilize the 6G. And th the reason is, is that once it gets up to its full operation, 6G is going to be a massive game changer when it comes to technology, from driving cars to uh, connecting homes and offices. So it's something to be uh, cognizant of is the fact that it is very, very capable of being able to move data at a much faster pace, um, meaning video quality when you call someone on FaceTime or otherwise. Uh, you know, sometimes you might notice it kind of gets a little glitchy or you might pause or you get that still frame, but you can still hear the person. Um, this would be almost in, in 4K resolution you'll be able to eventually see. And if we're moving into the augmented reality and the virtual reality, this 6G um, that's been developed uh, is going to be a big game changer. Of course, this adds that question you commented at the beginning, Bill, is that it's created by Chinese manufacturers. It is yet to be determined whether it will be accepted by everywhere else in the world. Yeah, well, that, that's another debate that will go on for quite some time. Hey, what's going on at UCLA? You hear the story about these thermoelectric generators. That's just kind of a fascinating take on that. Yeah, well, the UCLA has developed an, a, a thermoelectric generator that can now produce uh, day and night the ability of cooling and heating. And, and why that's a game changer, Bill, is that this is a low capability of being able to use solar power to generate a furnace, for example. Um, you know, you might see, uh, uh, like, a, say, a window unit, for example, of an air conditioner, since we're getting into the, the summertime. If you live in an apartment, you have an air conditioner, um, you know, it draws a lot of energy. You have to run the cable from the window air conditioner down to an outlet. You plug it in, um, you know, and if you plug it into another outlet that's connected to, like, a blender, you're going to blow a fuse. Why this is important or what's unique about this is the fact that it can store the solar energy and provide enough power that it will allow for heating and cooling to work. So in remote areas that are in, you know, in the desert or in, in, you know, rural northern areas in Siberia or northern Canada, for argument's sake, this new uh, capable uh, uh, energy that's being generated can now actually heat and cool an environment of which normally you would require a lot of electricity to be able to, to do so, which a lot of rural areas do not have that capability. So it's a big, big, huge game changer to allow that uh, heating, cooling solution for smaller spaces um, and, you know, versus them suffering in cases of, well, they don't have electricity or they're not able to work on that because of the power outages or otherwise, this will, uh, this, this game changing uh, development is going to change that. 
Uh, going to do a break here in a second, but when we come back, we've had debates and, and discussions uh, for the longest time about you know how the governments, uh, federal and provincial governments, are all, they're all moving towards electronic vehicles right now. But one of the big questions is, well, we don't have enough charging stations. How do we charge these things? They seem to have the answer in Sweden. And after a short time out, uh, we'll ask Adam about that. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Adam Oldfield can do that too. Of course, that's why he's here with Tech Talk every Friday at 1130, brought to you by Vacuum Man. Uh, we talk about EVs, and I, I'm glad that you always spend some time every time we do Tech Talk, Adam, talking about uh, the latest technologies in this, because one of the concerns that we've all talked about here is, is about charging stations and, you know, how far can you drive? This is Canada. It's not Southern California, et cetera. In Sweden, where it is cold, and they, I'm sure, concerned about charging stations, uh, they've taken a whole different tack. They actually have an electrified road to recharge your your vehicle? Yeah, yeah. They've been running this pilot no, come project on, not really. in 2018. And, really? They and what happened was it, it basically it sets it up in a way that it's about two kilometers in length. And in this two kilometers, it was a it was a test model because they knew yeah. electric cars were cl- climbing and, and gaining popularity. Um, it works like an electric rail system inside the asphalt, which uh, tracks um, you know a moving arm. And what happens is, as an electric vehicle comes onto the road, um, it, it you know it almost works like um, uh, um, the ETR or LRT. I'm sorry, the LRT. You know, there's a little electrical wire and it kind of connects yeah. to a cable, except that's above the subway. Um, imagine the LRT except the cable would be in the road. And what what they've done is they've discovered that there is a way that an electric car can actually come on to the asphalt and then it would drop an arm from the electric car down. And what it would do is as it drags along the electrified asphalt rails system, it would then create a kinetic charge, thus creating power or energy to draw into the vehicle. Now, of course, two kilometers is a very not very long actually bill but it was tested to show that it was capable of being able to 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 operate and work effectively so the, the this new system is now going to be set up that in this is uh in the year 2045 they're saying they're going to try and set up 3000 kilometers um in Europe and it's going to go from uh, towns I don't know, Hellsburg to Orobo. Uh, I'm not sure where in in Europe that is, but uh, <laughs> those are the cities. And they're going to be setting this up. And why this is important is that it allows for large trucks, and that's one of the biggest concerns. In fact, yeah. even to add to that, um, the biggest issue in the United States is they just did a poll. More than 48% of Americans, now not Canadians, I just want to preface this, it's America, has commented they're not comfortable buying an electric car. The cost and the concern, the battery uh, fear of what you just what you commented. Um, and there's so much like, well, you got to wait to charge, and then some of the charging stations are working. When you charge, you're waiting for so long. So um, this, hopefully, in Sweden is going to be one of the biggest, I guess, developing nations in regards to this development they're doing, but they've proven that on the other issue, you know, heavy haulers, tractor trailers, the Tesla trucks, all of them need to move product. Coca-Cola just purchased a fleet of electric vehicles, electric tractor trailers um, in Ontario, that they're going to be moving from Montreal down to Ontario. And so why I feel this is what I feel this, they're proving it, is they're going to run this in the ability that a tractor trailer, when it hits the road, will drop the line. The line will then allow for the charge. And, and there's theory of which it won't charge the car bill. It doesn't give it more energy. What it does is it takes it off its energy source, the battery itself, 
and then it can run effectively on the road. So I, I, just to clarify, it isn't charging the car. It almost takes it off its battery source and then allows the car or vehicle for that matter to be able to run and and kind of at, at a consistent charge. The other benefit to that is batteries are super heavy, both tractor trailers and cars. They're actually yeah. very heavy. Um, and this now will allow development of cars that they can build roads that can do what I just explained. Then the car won't need as much battery capacity because the the road's going to charge the car, <laughs> if that makes sense. So it's pretty cool how they're how they're rolling this out. It's almost kind of like a, a, a hybrid, really, isn't it? In, in other words, it's not charging the battery that's in my vehicle. It's taking, it's, it's, it's telling the battery, go have a rest, and, and you know, we're going to use this energy source for the next couple of kilometers. And then when I finish on that part of the road, then my battery kicks in again. Correct. Yes, absolutely. And and the other benefit to this is that it, di again, you know, not a scientist, but it kind of breaks up the energy across. So it's um, what you need to do is only charge the road. Not every vehicle would need to be as sure. charged. So they're saying this is also going to take a bit of a load off the grid. Um, potentially, if they're charging a road surface, then it doesn't require uh, as much energy to constantly, uh, you know, charge vehicles um, because when they're on the road, primarily highways, let's just be clear, this is a highway development currently, um, on the highway, as they're driving along, it takes the load off the vehicle from needing to to use uh, the battery, thereby when it comes, you know, gets on the off-ramp, it then can now, yeah, hybrid, I guess it would roll onto its own battery source until it gets to where it needs to be in a in a local area. So um, it, it's 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 the example of the direction we're moving in the automotive uh, world. And and again, I I you know let me segue that because uh, as I just mentioned, America, probably Canada for that matter as well, is fearful of electric cars. Mercedes Benz just made also this announcement this week on the note of electric cars that they now have launched officially a vehicle called the EQXX solar powered EV. Speaking of hybrid, what it does is it has solar panels in addition to a charging battery, and they have now proven a thousand kilometers on a single charge. It can cap it's capable of, of operating. So um, there's big developments when we talk to vehicles, electric vehicles, and uh, I guess the moral of the story is we don't, we shouldn't need to have fear of uh, battery uh, charging on vehicles in the near future. Well, it's because you know if you if you're driving from here to Ottawa or whatever the case might be, you're going to pass you know filling stations or gas stations all over the place, and if the charging stations were that regular too, but it, it may, I think it would assuage a lot of the concerns they've got. But the the Mercedes story is really interesting uh, because you just covered uh, one of those topics uh, I guess about a month ago in the program uh, where you're suggesting the Tesla actually I guess did some test driving up here, and I think they got close to 500 kilometers on their, their single charge, didn't they? So this is almost double that, and and that's that's amazing, really. Yeah, and they accomplished it through aerodynamics, adv their advanced battery technology, and of course, yeah. solar panel, which um, is creating the ability that it's getting charging on all on all angles. So, um, yeah, a thousand kilometers is a it's a like for a vehicle is a really massive um, improvement um, because I, I don't know if that's officially the the longest. I think there's others that we talked about, and it's I think it was question of you know can they get up to 800, 900, uh, 600 you know 620 miles i think it is if you convert it um but yeah it's about 500 to 600 um kilometers and the fact that we're getting up to a thousand officially they've just announced that they can get a thousand kilometers on a single charge um which means you know driving may not be so much uh anxiety anymore when you want to take those road trips all right we're 
tight on time here because we always go off on side roads here but it's always fascinating conversation but there's a tip here that I, that I was not aware of uh, when you sent me some notes on this yesterday uh, and it's about you know you slow internet speed geez you know I got an upgrade uh, it might be where you place your router that might be the problem talk to us about that yeah. Okay. So this is important. And the reason I thought this was, you know, I was relevant. I was, I was actually at a friend's house and, you know, I said, Oh, can I use your Wi-Fi?" And I go to use it. And I'm like, wow, it's really kind of slow. Like, what, what are you paying for dial up? And, and he says, no, no, I'm, I've got the, you know, the latest cable or fibernetics or whatever version he had a uh, provider. And I said, okay. And I saw where he had his router. It was on the ground behind a door. And I, I was like, what are you doing? Well, it's out of the way. I, I don't want to look at it. And I'm like, okay. But do you notice your internet slow? And he goes, yeah, Netflix seems to be pausing every so often. So anyway, here's your three tips, folks. Um, first of all, router, not on the ground. Do not leave your router on the floor. Um, you got to elevate it. It has to go up. You're using you know, wireless technology to be able to transmit. Um, so get it off the ground, put it on a dresser, have it in an open space. Also, number two, you don't want it behind a door. So if you're putting it in a closet, um, really, it's great because it's out of the way, out of sight, out of mind. Look, the internet works, except you're not getting your maximum uh, internet speeds. And this one may be interesting and new for, for folks. Don't put it near an aquarium. Uh, if you've got an aquarium and, and it's like, oh, there you go, there's Guppy the fish and, and I got Dora over here and I'm going to put my Wi-Fi right beside it, um, don't because the water actually will deflect the Wi-Fi signals, thus uh, creates kind of intermittent hit and miss. So keep that in mind. So don't leave it on the ground. Don't put it behind a door. And if you have an aquarium, get it away from the fish. The fish are fine, but your internet's going to be horrible. So if you're paying a lot for internet and you're a Canadian, and I know you are, Get the maximum amount of uh, high speed you possibly can. Yeah, but when you move it away from the aquarium, then they, 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 that's having an impact on the fish's internet. So I don't know if that's fairly fair, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> but it, you're right. I mean, I guess we tend to forget and take these things for granted. But I mean, it, it's actually it's it's sending out waves. Uh, and and if you put it behind a door, you're not going to get as maximum capacity. That's all there is to it, really. Uh, you know, it's the same that's thing right. as if you say, oh, hey, here's my lamp. Okay, I'm going to put it in the closet and close the door now. And, and you know what? It's not going to get very bright in the room. In the closet, it will, but not in the room. So those interesting tips. And, and again, stuff that you're probably not going to hear from a, from a retail outlet. But I mean, you listen to Tech Talk on Friday after mornings, and, and this is the kind of magical information you get that can make your life better. Uh, we do this every uh, Friday at 1130 in the morning, brought to you by Vacuum Man. Adam, as always, thanks so much for this, my friend. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again next Friday. Thanks, Bill. Take care. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.